Good morning and welcome to the Mike Courtson Show, the Mike, Dr. Michael Courtson Program. I'm Dr. Mike, for those of you who are my friends, and I hope all of you are my friends. I hope you woke up this morning with a smile and you keep a smile on your face all day. The most important thing you can do is smile. It's the beginning of a happy day. This program is about being happy and maintaining that happy feeling in your life. Today I want to talk about getting into that perfect relationship. Relationships between boys and girls, men and women, always have been a challenge. And relationships within our own sex have always been a challenge at one point or another. How do I recognize this person that's, that's meant for me? We, we hear that there is this soul made out there just waiting for us to find us and fall into our lap. How do I find that person or how does that person find me? What steps do I have to go through in order to attract this person into my life? And there we go again with the law of attraction. We attract those people and things into our lives that we think about. Before you can actually be a partner in a great relationship, you have to ask yourself, what am I bringing to that table? What am I bringing to this relationship? Who am I? What kind of baggage am I dragging with me? And we all talk about baggage. Oh, this person's got too much baggage. Uh, I've got some baggage I need to deal with, but I never got around to it. We all carry a bag, and the longer we've been around here, the more stuff we've packed into that bag. And it all went in there one piece at a time. And each little piece has its effect on who we are. Those memories that we've collected over our lifetime are stored in our mind and are actually little videotapes or DVDs of everything that we've done and experienced. And they're all in there unless you've had some sort of a brain injury and uh, they've physically been you know, damaged in one way or another. How, so what do you bring to the table in a relationship? Why would you want to ask yourself, well, I'm okay. You know, it's the, I just have to find the right person who can get along with all my little quirks. That's true to a degree. But first, you've got to be a happy person. Obviously, you're hoping to have this wonderful person brought into your life because you want to share this affection and feeling that everyone desires to have a special someone in your life to share the joys and pain and life in general. I asked the question of what am I bringing to the table on a, for a reason because if you're bringing a lot of baggage, a lot of problems that you haven't resolved, it's not going to be fixed simply because you bring another party into the program. It's only going to get fixed if you fix it. All of our problems are just that, our problems. They're not anybody else's problems. You can go to a therapist or a doctor and 
hopefully they can show you ways to walk yourself through some of these problems that you're having trouble dealing with. But for the most part, they got to do all. They can only lead you to the water. You've got to do the work. You have to actually do that work yourself. Can't put it off. And you need to do it before you start attracting this special someone into your life. Because all these things you've hidden under the surface are going to crop up at some point down the road and most likely damage the relationship that you wanted so badly. So how do you how do you get ready for it? Well, if I I liken the idea of having a relationship and the two parties involved as restaurants. And you say, "What? Restaurants?" Yeah, think of yourself as a restaurant. And everything that you are, everything that you like or dislike, is part of your menu in that restaurant. You have great things about you that you love to do, you absolutely can't do without, whatever it is, if you're you know, into sports or cooking or sewing or you know, whatever it is, we all have those things that we just adore to do. We also have things that are kind of mediocre in our lives. And then we have things that we just cannot stand. And I call those things that we just can't stand deal breakers. A deal breaker. So before you try to go out and and get involved in a relationship, you need to sit down and write out your menu. What do you bring to the table? What do I bring to the table of this relationship? And you put down all those great things about yourself. And there's no, there are no wrong answers that you can put on your menu. Everything is your menu. This is totally customized to you and who you are. So you write down, I like to sew. I like to cook. I love to play golf. I love to water ski. I love to go for walks in the park. And I would be honest because there's no, you're not cheating anyone by inventing a bunch of things you think other people want to hear that will attract a wealthy person to you, a very uh, physically attractive person to you. What you need to do is be honest. Be honest. And you put down on that list everything that is just terrific. Then you need to make your deal breaker list, which is also part of your menu. The things you can't stand or will not tolerate, period. And that, there's no wrong answers for that either. Everything that you can't stand about a relationship, you need to put down on that list. Perhaps you can't stand a, a smoker. Or on the other side of that, you, you want somebody who smokes because you smoke. You can't stand somebody who drinks too much or drinks at all. Someone who's of a different faith than you. Someone who doesn't see eye to eye with you on certain political issues. You wouldn't date a Democrat. You wouldn't date a Republican. All of those things that you find would be a deal breaker for you. Because we are passionate about a lot of things in our life, whether we know it or not. 
And if you're going to try and ignore these things that will tend to be deal breakers at some point down the road, you're only hurting yourself. And your deal breaker list can be something simple, like putting your socks in the dirty clothes, putting the cap back on the toothpaste tube, closing the shower door. Whatever it is, there are no wrong answers. This is your life. And if these things are going to bother you now, trust me, they're going to come up as problems somewhere down the road. And the other person needs to be aware of what your rules are. I've run into that. I had two lousy marriages because I walked into them blindly and had no idea what I was looking for, no idea what I was about, and no idea what the other person was about. I just knew at a certain age it was expected of me to be married and have a family and I went about and did that. I said, well, she's kind of good looking. I guess I'll marry her. And it was a nightmare. And when that one fell apart, I went into another one and did the same thing. I didn't change myself at all. And had no idea what I was bringing to the table. I thought, wow, I'm a successful lawyer. You know, I'm bringing a lot of money into this outfit. I'm, I've got a lot, of, a lot of good things. I'm not, I'm not the ugliest thing in the room. I'm bringing that to the table as well. And uh, that wasn't enough. And there were things that that person was doing in their life that really bothered me. But I thought, well, I can look the other way. I can, I can tolerate that. I can put up with that. Not a problem. Well, it became a problem. Little by little over the years, those little fingernails scratching on the chalkboard started to bother me. And I'm sure there were lots of things that I was doing in that relationship that the other person was not, you know, too keen on either. And that tension, that underlying tension of now having to walk on eggshells in your relationship jeopardizes the happiness of both parties that are involved. And God help you, you bring kids into this it becomes even a bigger nightmare. So the seriousness of making this list, of making a menu of who you are, what it is that makes you tick, the things that are unique about you, that make you so special, make you a happy person, and identifying those things that you will not tolerate, those deal breakers that are just horrible things that no matter how trivial they may seem to other people, those are your deal breakers, and you're not being unreasonable. I think we've all seen that in relationships with our, our friends and family members and even ourselves at one time or another where we say, well, you're just being unreasonable. You know, I'm, It's okay if I play golf on Sundays. My buddies do it. Their wives don't seem to have a problem with it. Why do you have a problem with it? You're being unreasonable. There's no such thing as being unreasonable if you're dealing with a deal breaker. These were things that were deal breakers for you before you got in the relationship. They're going to be deal breakers during the relationship and after the relationship. This is just you. And as we've said time and time again, I can't change somebody else who comes into my life. I can only change me. And the old joke of 
how many lawyers is, or how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? Well, it only takes one. It takes a long time, and the light bulb has to want to change. If you don't want to change, you're not going to change. You're not immediately going to become this other person just because you're going to sacrifice. I, I see a lot of that in relationships where, well, you know, you don't have, you, you don't understand what I have to put up with with this person. Why are you putting up with anything? You shouldn't be putting up with it. You should have taken care of this business before you got involved and then have to live your life on the defense forever and ever. Uh, You see these relationships, marriages that have lasted 50, 55 years, and you go, wow, amazing. 52 years they've been married. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Well, it could be one bad year times 52 for all you know. Because we don't see what goes on in other people's houses other than what they allow us to see. Same with you. You don't let people know what you do. So don't expect other people to do that either. So 52 years being married could have been 52 years of misery. So you have everything to gain by being upfront with yourself, honest with yourself about what it is that you find important in your relationship, what you bring to the table as being this wonderful person. Now you need to find out what this prospective partner or friend or future husband or wife is bringing to the table. Oh, now the, now it gets real complicated. Because now you're dealing with someone who may have been as devious as you. Hit a lot of things on their list. Didn't put a lot of things on their list. How do you dig that out? How do you know that they're not lying to you? That they are desperate to have someone in their life. And I wrote a book called Married and Alone. Because it's a fiction story. But it's very poignant because you've got this ideal perfect couple coming out of college with two wonderful families both you know very upper middle class successful very attractive young people with everything to go for them but great educations great uh, jobs nice houses everything that they need and their relationship comes apart not because of substance abuses not because of of insanity or anything just the fact that the two people went in it for all the wrong reasons. And they never understood going into that relationship with someone required them to understand what they were about. The sacrifices they made to get into that relationship. The uh, husband in this fictional story was, while in college, crazy about motocross motorcycles and racing motorcycles. Everything in his life was about motorcycles. As soon as he got out of college and got married, all those buddies, his whole life disappeared. Totally disappeared. And he continually resented that fact throughout that 20, 25 years of marriage because he was a whole other person. He was instantly, on the day he said, I do, he was done. His life was over. He was not the same person any longer. And he spent his entire life trying to be what his wife expected 
which he totally misinterpreted. He totally misinterpreted it, what it was she wanted him to be. He said, well, I've got to be a great provider. I prefer to be a motorcycle rider and have my life involved with motorcycles. But I'll take this boring job at the bank and do their computers and IT business. And that didn't seem to be good enough for her either. She wasn't running in the social class that she wanted to be running in, but him being a lowly bank employee, so he goes into business with her dad in his insurance business. And ultimately takes over that business. And has the country club jet set style. Oh, wow. He's living his life to please her. She, on the other hand, is trying to live her life to please him. I'll be the ideal mother. I will be dressed to the nines. I will make sure that everything is proper and in its place and everything will be done, you know, pristine and socially acceptable. Did that work? No. 20 years later, they're both resentful of each other. They have lived this sham of a relationship, whereas everybody on the outside says, wow, look at Ed and Mary. They're just, they're perfect. What a perfect couple. Both good-looking, great kids, wonderful house, successful business, members of our country club. They've got everything going for them. And they're miserable. They're not physically abusive with each other. They're not even verbally abusive with each other. They just grow apart to where they are, have been basically married and alone. I talk about being married and alone because there's a lot of people you know, and you may be one of them, that is indeed married and alone. And we're all terrified of ending up alone, which is why we get in these relationships. We're terrified of not being with somebody else. How could I possibly live alone? Oh, I don't know how people can live alone. Well, in order for you to come into this relationship, to bring your, your menu and exchange menus with someone else, you got to be happy by yourself. You got to be happy all alone. Because happy people attract what? Other happy people. So if you're not happy by yourself, you're, you're, you're already coming in with a problem. If you're going into a relationship with the attitude that this person is going to fill in this hole, this, what was the line from this one movie I heard? Uh, you complete me. Well, that's nonsense. People don't complete people. We are all alone all the time. We share being alone with everybody else on the planet, and then we die. That's scary to think about, that, oh, I'm going to die, and I've got to... I'm just alone here. Well, basically, you are alone. You came in alone. You're here by yourself within this meat suit. And then you die alone. You go out alone. So... You need to understand that what you are is what you think. And you've got to be happy in order to attract a happy person into your life. Somebody you really, really can be in tune with. Someone that's going to be your best friend. Somebody that you, you can't wait to see come home. That someone you just, you've got to share your day with. That you, you love doing spectacular stuff with. You love going picnicking with. You like to go shopping with. You go to dinner with. Whatever it is those things are that you want, you do together. 
the old nonsense of magnetics of opposites attract. That works for magnets. It doesn't work for people. People have to attract like people, the same kind of person you are, which is just human nature. And we've talked about this before. If you look at how people congregate in communities, we congregate in neighborhoods, same nationality, seem to tend to congregate together. Certain religious groups tend to congregate together. If you go into the Minnesota area in Wisconsin and in the middle northwest, what do you see? A lot of Scandinavian people. They seem to have congregated there. And as time goes by, these concentrations become a little thinner. Sometimes they actually become more intense. But like people tend to attract each other. Which is why I always focus on you being happy yourself, by yourself. Be this wonderful, happy person. When you wake up in the morning, you just go, whoopee, I am here again. No matter how much physical pain I'm in, no matter what I look like, no matter where I am on the planet, no matter if I'm in a crummy apartment or I'm in a 50-room mansion, it doesn't really matter. I'm still part of this planet. I'm still here today. Whoopee. What can I do that's going to be fun and put smiles on my face and everybody else's faces while I'm here? You become that kind of person. Those are the kind of people you're going to attract. And that goes on your list, that menu that you're going to create when you go in looking for this other person to share your life with to make it even more intense, to make it more fun, to be able to see a different point of view on the same thing you like to do. Say, well, I'm a great fisherman. I love to go fishing, but I only go freshwater fishing. I've never been uh, saltwater fishing. You mean someone says, yeah, I love freshwater fishing. Have you ever tried saltwater fishing? Well, no, I'm kind of afraid of the ocean or whatever. Well, let's just go out and we'll give it a try. And you find out, wow, I really like this. Or you find out, wow, I can't stand this. This is way too scary for me. But maybe you can work your way through it. Maybe you can learn to enjoy stuff. We all have to learn to enjoy everything we do in our life. When you're born, everything's new to you. You've never tried sushi when you're newborn. So how are you going to know you like it if you don't try it? Try lots of things. It's the juice of life, as I call it. And you miss that juice of life by becoming a boring, sedentary person who's afraid to try anything different. I think that's why my mom always said, she says, yeah, I just like you so much because you're never afraid to try anything. When we go to restaurants, say, you always try something different. The other kids always order the same thing over and over, and you always try something new. And the only reason I did that is because I, I wanted to see what it was like. And I found a lot of stuff I didn't like, but I found a lot of stuff I did like. Well, what's that got to do with a relationship? It means you need to try a lot of people. That first person you meet is not necessarily going to be the one. And how do you find out whether or not this person is 
not hiding something. Well, I thought about that, because when I got out of the nursing home, I was divorced, I was living alone, and I was okay being alone. I'd been really sick, and I'd lived in a nursing home, and now I was out. And I was out five days, out of the nursing home, five days, and I was on a computer doing some research about a book I was writing called uh, Last Resort. I haven't released that yet. And it was about a small town that was falling apart due to outsourcing. And the major employer, the big factory that was in that town, was closing up and sending their business overseas. And it was about the whole effect of how that impacted every little business in town and how it affected the people in those in that town. So I was looking at all these different chat rooms, just listening as to what people were complaining about. And a lady popped up in an email to me and said, oh, I saw your profile and it says that you live in southwestern Michigan and you write. What kind of books do you write? And we got talking. And she seemed extremely taken with where I was and what I was doing. It was completely different that I was a retired attorney and I'd been really sick. And I said, well, who is this person? This is a total stranger. This is a person from Pennsylvania. I don't know from anyone. I haven't seen this person. And all we're doing is we're clickety-clicking emails back and forth to each other. So I started asking hard questions in a roundabout way about the things I didn't like, the deal breakers that I had in my mind. And I started asking the tough questions, what I didn't want in my life. So what do you think about smokers? You know, uh, oh, I hate smoking. I said, oh, there's a point. And my, my friends, boy, they sure used to like to go out and get drunk all the time, and they play pool, and they do all So I started talking about stuff I knew I didn't like to see if this person would take the bait and go, yeah, oh, yeah, I like that too. Because if they did, sayonara, you're not going to be with me. Well, she kept answering the right way. And she was doing the same thing to me, and we just kept like exchanging back and forth what it is we liked and what we disliked. And we just and we continue to do that even to today. We got married a month later. <laughs> Believe it or not, we got married a month later. Believe it or not. And what does that tell you? It tells you that you don't have to be afraid. You just have to be cautious. You gotta. You can't be afraid of getting that answer that is a deal breaker for you. Oh yeah, I like to smoke dope. Uh-oh, that's a deal-breaker for me. But everything else is so good about this person. Trust me, if there's a deal-breaker involved, you're better off finding out now and walking away from it than getting involved into a, a long-term relationship with somebody. And finally, 15 years later, you say, you know what, that dope smoking, I was meaning to tell you about that on day one when I found out about it. It was something that was a deal-breaker for me. And I put up with you and put up with this. And you know what? I just can't do it anymore. It's, it's, it's ruined 15 years of my life. And it's all what? My fault. It's all my fault because I walked into this. It wasn't their fault that they did what they did. It was my fault for allowing myself to fall into this trap of being with someone who was not the one for me. So who got cheated by ignoring the deal breaker? 
Well, I would. I would be hurt by that. And the other person would get hurt as well because they were in a relationship under what? False pretenses. So honesty, right off the bat, is something we tend to not want to do because we don't want to have people see our shortcomings. So that's kind of what you need to think about when you're going to get in a relationship is think of yourself as a menu. Now, if you've got any questions about different areas, be sure to email me at mike at mikecourtson.com, michaelcourtson.com. Either one works fine. My website is www.michaelcourtson.com. Uh, you can see what books I've written, like The Secret to a Great Golf Swing. I can teach you how to play golf. Uh, winning Thinking, which is, ties in with this program and what we talk about here every day when I'm here. And I want you to be happy. I want you to really take your life serious for once in your life. Sit down, make a list of who you are, all the th wonderful things you are, and never forget those things that make you so special and wonderful. And be sure to always ask the hard questions. Never be afraid to ask hard questions. It's the most important thing in getting involved in a relationship. We've got plenty of other things that we're going to be talking about. I look forward to our next time together. I'm Mike Courtson. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Bye-bye.